Hey everybody, good morning. How's it going? It is 10.32 on Wednesday morning. Wednesday, August 30th at 10.32 to be exact. It's a beautiful day here in the bluegrass region, I guess we'll call it, central Kentucky area. Blue skies, 75 degrees, a light breeze coming through the area it's a, it's a good time so far it's been a pretty been a pretty decent morning been a pretty chill morning here at work as far as things as far as things have gone figured out a couple of problems and already figured out how to pass the buck and that's always good no just kidding but seriously though it is it does make your job a lot easier if you've got a lot of shit on your plate and somebody comes at you with a problem if it's better what I love is when somebody comes at you with a problem and they know that it's your problem and then you go and you investigate it and, I'm, and you're like, no, this is not my problem. And then you get to push back. Oh, I, w I won't cite the specific example just because I don't want to get in trouble with the customer since uh, the customer is worth billions of dollars. Um, so they've got some firepower behind them, but still. It's a, it's a good time. Automotive industry, it, it's no joke. People's lives are at stake. So, got to take it pretty seriously, right? I mean, that's what they say. So that's what we try to do here. Got the dude, though, pulling up next to me, man. Yoshi. Triple OG status in the, the I mean, just the clean jag. I mean, this thing is, whew. This is outrageous. I know... I don't know, man. I always looked at, at the older Jags as like an old man car, but oh my gosh, guys. And yes, I really do know a guy named Yoshi, so <laughs> I don't want to hear anybody saying, anybody talking about I don't know anybody named Yoshi, because yes, I do, I do have a co-worker named Yoshi. And he drives the flyest Jag. I mean, this thing's nice. It's probably... Mm, I'm gonna say early 2000s Jag. Maybe like uh, 08 or something like that. That's what I'm thinking. I apologize for the noise in the background. We got a guy bought a new truck, and there he's showing it off to some of the guys in machining. It's pretty, pretty good stuff. It is a clean ride though. Brand new, turbo diesel. I think it's a 20, uh, Dodge Ram 2500. It's pretty, pretty fresh. Uh, I don't know what you call that. Full size cab, crew cab, whatever it is. The one, it's a four door, not suicide doors, but a, a four door. Um, it's it's pretty clean. All a triple black, black interior, black paint, black rims. It's nice. It's not it's not lifted or jacked up. It's it's a tall truck. But it's uh, it's twenty five hundred. It's good. It's a good truck. But yeah. So um, I apologize if you guys hear anything else excess in the background. But yeah. So we're here. Um, as as they say, we out here. I want to go ahead. We'll talk about the next moves after the after the big fight. Cause I've heard a lot of hearsay and stuff like that about what's going on now. You know, obviously, um, you know Mayweather. Mayweather's gonna be smart. He's not gonna. Uh, he's not gonna fight again. 
if he is smart, you know, he's done. 50 and 0, he's calling it. Not to say that he's at risk of losing 50 and 0. Um, if he is, if he takes another fight, it's, I don't really think it would be that. I just think it's unnecessary for him to, to go to 51 and 0. Because I think that he would go to 51 and 0. I don't think that there's a chance that anybody would take him to, to 50 and 1. I just don't think it would happen. He'd have to come up against some real star power for that to happen. I mean, somebody would just have to, somebody would have to be a wizard to do that. So he's done. But Conor McGregor, 28 years old, granted the fact that he's worth 60 million now, and he made 30 million off that fight, he's done now. He or he could be done if he wanted to be, and it could be 100% justifiable. He's still got some fight in him, and I think that he, I, I do think that he wants to come back and get it. I think that he wants to get back into the game personally. So. If I if I had to guess, just looking at it, how I would call it, is I'd say he he definitely he definitely comes back and he he gets into it he gets back into the game. When I when I look at the competition though, I don't know man, it's tough to say. Brandon Schaub said that he went to go and he was talking to Nate Diaz about the trilogy, McGregor and Diaz three, and. Uh, Nate Diaz just like clowned him and it almost like he was picking a fight with him like talking shit to him So I don't personally I don't know if that's gonna happen But if it if it doesn't happen then I really don't know who his competition is to be honest with you And I also feel like if he does go back into a fight I think that he needs to meet whoever they're gonna fight in the middle somewhere He doesn't need to worry about going up to this 170 ridiculousness, and he certainly doesn't need to go back down to 145 again and fight there because he just looked terrible. I say that he looked terrible. As far as skill-wise, he was all there. He was 100%. He looked amazing. But... um, Physically, he just he didn't look good. You know, he he just looked real skinny and and strung out, and, and it wasn't a good look for him. You know, he didn't look healthy then. I think that they need to meet in the middle because he looks good at 155, and it's that Nate is definitely capable of playing at a at a big level like that, a high level, and so or at at a heavier level. I think that they should meet in the middle at 160. I don't know if Nate's going to be down to get into it. It doesn't seem like it, but whoever he fights, I think that they need to meet at 160 and they need to go go from there. I think that's your smartest move. It's I think it's the safest move for you too if, if you're Conor McGregor because you stay in that upper weight class, but you're not you're not really uh, breaking yourself trying to get up to. Uh, you're not really breaking yourself. Uh, trying to get up to one uh, to 170 or whatever it was, excuse me, when he when he did that first, the, when he did that those two fights, you know, against Nate in the first place. Plus, the trilogy brings it full circle because right now they're one and one. There's no real evidence to say somebody is the best right now. If they do a trilogy, they go three fights, best two out of three. You can easily say who's the best. Because, I mean, right now you look at it and both wins are sort of contestable, you know? Because Connor was Connor was beating the hell out of Nate Diaz. I mean, he was beating him up bad. He was smacking him around. Nate Diaz was eating it, though. He, he was. Nate Diaz was eating it. But Connor was beating the crap out of him. But he, and he wore himself out. 
And that's how Nate got that submission in, you know, that's how he got that W is he was able to, he was able to hang around and not let himself get knocked out just long enough to wear Connor down and then take him to the ground and get a submission. And so it's, it's easy to say that, well, maybe if, uh, Connor hadn't taken it on such short notice and, uh, you know, had proper time to train at 170, maybe he could have got it in and, and made it work. But, you know, at the same time, if you if you keep it going, you go to the second fight where he got the win. He was able to stay up more time. Most of he won by decision. You know, most of his most of the round he spent backing away from Nate, getting some strikes in, running away from him. You know, he was trying to play. He was trying to play off him. He was he wasn't putting as much pressure on him because he didn't want to wear himself down this time. The second time, I should say. So if they've got, if they have a, set up a third fight and they get in there, then I think that they're much more likely to see of the two of them who really is the better fighter because it's too easy to go either way. There's a lot of people that say that will come to Nate's defense in the second fight, and they were they'll say that it really could have gone either way. You know, with the scoring, it, it could have gone either way. It totally could have. It totally could have. So, I don't know, personally, how you look at it. I just know that if they don't do a trilogy fight, if Connor comes back at all and they don't do a trilogy fight, I just don't know what his next move is for, for whatever division he's going to fight in. It's too tough to say. I mean, there's there's a lot of speculation, but it's it's and it sucks right now because Connor's sort of holding the UFC hostage because he's really their only superstar. Uh, you know, John Jones was a superstar, but I don't think that I, I don't think you could have any faith in him anymore, personally, because of him going down like this for PEDs. I mean, first two suspensions, uh, you can give him a break on first suspension. You know, taking, getting caught with dick pills in his system, eh, dick pills, that's not really helping you. Although some people will say that the dick pills are a cover-up if you've been taking PEDs. It's a good way to cover it up. So you got to sort of take that with a grain of salt. But he was found for dick pills. You got to call it like you see it, dick pills, not a big deal. Second time around, coked out. Coke's not really going to help you or anything in the ring. Uh, or in the octagon, then you get into this third scandal, straight up performance enhancing drugs, PEDs, steroids. I mean, that's that's where you got to draw the line. That's where you got to sit up and you're like, well, okay, hold on, what's what's really going on here right now? This is this is getting ridiculous, because it's one thing after another for this guy. I really do want to believe that he's the best in that division, in light heavyweight, and that he could go up to heavyweight and he could fight Brock Lesnar. I really want to believe that that could really happen, you know, personally. But at the same time, when you take a look at it, and I've brought this up before, there's there's not enough room, I don't think, on his resume to be able to say, or his track record to be able to say, he deserves to be a champion and deserves to go up to that shot. You know what I mean? The belt's been stripped. It goes back to Daniel Cormier. It goes back to DC. You know, and now light heavyweight is in limbo because DC's been beat twice by the same guy, but has been beat twice off the same guy and then backed it up immediately with a scandal. And this one is serious. Performance enhancing drugs, that's serious. 
now there's you've got 100% room to speculate with um, you've got 100% room to speculate without you know no holds barred don't have to worry about hurting feelings or saying something inflammatory because anything goes at this point because he set himself up but you've got the room to be able to say like I said a couple of weeks ago or a week ago who's to say he would have came out with the win Who's to say he would have really won that? We find out that he's on performance-enhancing drugs. Is DC really is DC really just not as good as John Jones, or does John Jones getting an unfair advantage on him? Is he cheating to win? And is John Jones really that good? Because he's only confident in going after it when he's coked up or when he's taking PEDs. That's what the record shows right now. So, I don't know. I, I want to believe that John Jones could really be the man, but, you know, as, as Brandon Schaub said, you know, do you, I got no faith in him. The, the, the dude broke my heart. I got no faith in him. And it sucks to feel that way, but that's also the way that I feel. Not that I was tied to John Jones for any reason. I had seen his fights, and I was going off of, you know, the experts and what they were saying and how good he was, and I, and I believed it. I believed the hype. But then something like this comes out, and you've got a shadow of a doubt, and that's not good for anybody. Not good for anybody. So, I don't know. Other than other than Conor McGregor and John Jones, who I don't I don't consider John Jones anymore. There's really no true super, superstars in the UFC, so there's nobody to really rely on now for star power. You know, Ronda Rousey is out. Holly Holm has has gotten beat. Misha Tate's gotten beat. Cyborg has gotten beat, you know. Uh Conor McGregor has gotten beat, but he's still he has come back, is still a champion. And um has come back, is still a champion, and came off of the fight of the century. You know, was coming off the boxing fight the boxing match, the fight of the century, and um doesn't really need a whole lot of motivation to come back. Doesn't have to. Shouldn't be expected to come back. And without him or and John Jones being suspended, who do you got? Who are you going to rely on? So UFC is in a tough spot right now with what they're going to do moving forward, who they're going to offer it to, because the only way that they're going to get Conor McGregor to jump in and do anything is if they're going to throw some change at him, because now that he knows that he's worth the $30 million for a super fight, he's only going to fight for super fight money. And all of his fights going forward are only going to be super fights. Because Conor McGregor is not the type of guy to just take some bullshit challenge just to keep his record going and to keep the belt. He's not about that. He's about proving that he's the best by beating the best. So, so I mean, I'm not really sure what the play is, you know, going forward. I'm, I'm not sure. We'll have to see how things go, how it shakes up. You know, Conor McGregor's obviously going to take a break since he's been getting ready for that Mayweather fight. Now that it's over, he's going to take a break for sure. If I was him, I'd go on a long-ass vacation with my wife and my kid, and I, I would enjoy the time with him. And then, you know, again, when I, if I come back, if I'm him and I come back, you know, it's got to be all or nothing with UFC. Like, you know, okay, that was my old contract. Well, you guys see what I'm worth now, so let's come on. Let's talk some real numbers here. And if they don't want to buy that, then you don't need them. That's the thing. That's, what, that's, the, bad, that's the bad thing for the UFC is 
sanctioning this Mayweather fight was a, was one of the best things, the smartest moves that Dana White could have done, and one of the worst moves that Dana White could have done. It's good for the sport in the sake that it gets UFC out there and it proves that UFC UFC fighters are really the best fighters in the world because they can get in the ring and go toe to toe with anybody. And it proves how val how valid that sport is compared to boxing. But at the same time, if you go in and you take a look at it now, wait a minute, he's shown at the same time that UFC guys can bring that kind of draw, that they can get that kind of money. UFC guys now know if I want some real change, I can just talk a bunch of shit and say that I'm going to beat a good boxer and I'll go get paid. Nobody's going to make Mayweather money, you know. Nobody probably will ever see the kind of money that that Connor got 30 mil guaranteed plus a purse nobody's gonna get that but it's totally not out of the realm of possibility to expect somebody to make 10 15 guaranteed plus a purse easy 15 now that guys know that the UFC's in dangerous territory where people are gonna want to renegotiate contracts because they're gonna want more money because they know that they're worth it now because Connor McGregor has shown that they're that they are worth it so they're in a tough spot right now. They got to make it work and they got to come up with something quick because right now there's too many shakeups, too many shakeups in the, in the, in the league or in, you know, in the, whatever you want to call it in the sport right now. So I'm not really sure what the best move for him is, but Dana White needs to figure it out in a hurry because, uh, the UFC fan base isn't going to wait forever and they're certainly not going to wait around, you know, for, a superstar to emerge in a big drought like this they're definitely not if Connor doesn't come back if Connor doesn't come back they'll be fine they'll they'll do just fine you know but if he if he doesn't come back then that's when they they're gonna have to sweat this one out and they're gonna have to figure figure something out so but I don't know we'll see though man we'll see um, I'm I'm anxious to see what comes around the corner, what happens for these guys. I want to see some big fights in the future because it's exciting now, you know? All these new superstars and stuff like that that are sort of floating, drifting in and out. The one good thing about it is that the door's totally open for somebody to jump up and take the spotlight. They're just, it's going to take the right person with the right personality to be able to do that. And it's sort of hit or miss, you know? There's no guarantees. So, we'll see. The other thing that I'm excited about, though, uh, with with upcoming is uh, basketball season, guys. And I'm not even talking about college. I'm talking about NBA right now. I mean, it's getting it's getting real, real quick. Um, you know, I heard a thing the other day. I haven't really done too many too much research in it, so don't you know beat me down for it too bad. But I had heard a thing that said that there was an issue with that uh, that Cavs Boston trade because Isaiah Thomas failed his physical with the Cavs doctor. And so I don't necessarily know what that means. Maybe they give him some time and he comes and does another physical again. I also don't think that it's like, I mean, you see how Isaiah Thomas performs. There's no way that he just goes totally off the rails, you know, and is all of a sudden a garbage player. Like, that's, that's not going to happen at all. But it definitely shakes up what could happen if the trade does not go through just because of that. Because that's going to put a huge rift in between Isaiah Thomas and the Celtics organization. I mean, the guy went out there and played a playoff game the day after his sister died, and they traded him away. 
So Isaiah Thomas knows that they're not loyal. They're about whatever they think they can do to win. And now that he knows that, that's probably going to cause problems if he doesn't get away from them, if they can't get rid of him. But personally, the way that I look at it, I mean, it's unfortunate. It really is, because aside from the Cavs, there's really no competition in the East. Um, I mean, I'm trying to look at it right now. Think I'm trying to think about it, and I'm pretty sure... I mean, looking at it right now, I'm pretty sure that aside from the Cavs, you could maybe count the Timberwolves. If if the Timberwolves are in the East, and I think that they are, maybe the Timberwolves could be a contending team. You know, I Boston might be, but I don't think so. The Wizards still have ways to go, I believe. But they, they do have a shot at the same time. And the Bulls are done. Uh, the Pacers are done. The Pistons are still rebuilding. They're doing. They're still in their ten-year. They're they're inter, They're in the second decade of their ten-year <laughs> rebuild since they had that championship team in '04. So they got to figure something out fast. Um, but other than the Cavs, there's really no major competition in the East, and the West is stack loaded. And I mean. I don't know, man. I what I what I want to see happen. I don't think that it's it's ever going to be possible. Personally, I just don't see it. But I would like to see it be a total shakeup, but in in the West, because right now some people could say that it is, but the Warriors still have the easy upper hand on anyone. They can they've got more firepower than anybody in the West right now. Uh, just because Chris Paul went to the Rockets doesn't mean anything. The Rockets are a good team, you know, granted, don't get me wrong, they are. They're a good squad. Oh, excuse me. They're a good squad, but there's it's not they don't have the same firepower as the Warriors. I maintain that the only team that is really good enough to be able to get out there and do anything to them to really threaten them is the Spurs. And I think that the Spurs are almost running out of time because, you know, Manu and Tony Parker, I mean, those are two old guys, and they've got good people to replace them. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard is a superstar, 100%. But they've got to be firing on all cylinders. They've got to have everybody dialed in. Because if one person slips up, they don't have a chance against the Warriors. That's just how good the Warriors are right now. And so if they have, if they can keep their unit, if they can keep their core team and they can keep, you know, going like that, then yeah, they've got a chance to make it happen. But even so, I just, mm, I don't know if I see it happening against the Warriors, man. They're just too good. They have too many stars. And, you know, the Warriors came out and won it. And my prediction about the Warriors was that, and, and we'll have to see because this is only their second year, but my prediction about the Warriors was that they were going to come out and they were going to win their first season together as a team with Kevin Durant. And they were going to make it happen for one year. But then after that year was over, there was going to start to be some contention in the team. 
a little bit of pushback, a little, little bit more fighting and stuff like that. Because when you've got four guys on your team, when you've got four people on your starting, if you're starting five, at least four of them are all-stars slash superstars. I would count Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, maybe even Draymond as a superstar. Maybe not Draymond as a superstar. But I would, at least two, uh, two of them are superstars. And the rest of them definitely have all-star power. It's going to get tough to keep that balance in the team. Now, I would like to think that if there's any coaches that could be able to do it in this league right now, I would think that Pop and Steve Kerr are the only two coaches in the league right now that could put this together, that could really make it happen with, with a team like that. Because Pop has shown that he can do it, and Steve Kerr has given us evidence to believe that he can because they won the championship last season. He was able to get them to work together. With the team that they have... If they can get their chemistry right, yeah, they. I think that they're a lock for the playoffs. They might be the, what is it, is it, hang on, six seed. They might be six seed in the playoffs and go out first round, or however many it is, six or eight, whatever. But they could go. I think there's a very real chance they could go to the playoffs. So... Who knows? It's going to be tough to tell. They're not going to do nothing, but still. I just I would like to see what, what they're capable of. I'm still waiting for the Pistons to wake back up since I'm a fan and make something happen. Since they haven't really done much that I can be proud of since 2004. But it is what it is. You know, they're, they're like I said, they're rebuilding. But the, the main battle for basketball supremacy is nowhere else but in, in the West. And more specifically, it's it's more it's more than likely going to be on the West Coast. It's between California and Texas. That's really it. The Bay Area, and San Antonio or Houston. That's really where where it is. I don't think there's anybody in the West right now that's got a chance to do anything. If you're not one of those three teams, at least you don't. At least I don't think so. But I could be wrong. We'll we'll see. There could be some huge shakeups, you know. There's always midseason drama and trades and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So who knows? We'll, we got plenty of time to figure this out. But it's looking good. You know, it's looking good for us. So I'm not, uh, I'm not sure. I know, that, I know one thing is, though, I'll be glad for us to be able to get into to sports this season. The only thing that worries, that worries me is that it's going to be just so over-politicized this this season is so many people coming out and quote unquote taking stands against either the administration or just any kind of pc crap which it's all pc right now so saying you're taking a stand against it by saying that you don't like donald trump i mean that's ridiculous because the media is 100 percent geared against him you know somebody asked me the other day um no it was yeah it was brie it was my wife brie asked me like a week ago, do I think that more people hate Trump than hate Obama? And that's a tough question to answer, I think. Part of me wants to say yes, but at the same time, maybe not because maybe it's blown out of proportion. The only reason that I want to say yes is because he's so vilified by the media, 100%. Because every, everywhere that you could go, Facebook, 
the news, Twitter, I guess Instagram, I don't know, maybe even Snapchat, what else is out there, you know? Every all these all these people, all these organizations, all this all these websites for social media, all the social media access, it's it's dominated by a a democratic or a democrat or a, a liberal or a, a hard super hardcore lefty snowflake media presence. That's what that that's what's out there. That's the majority of it. And I I I think that it's totally fair to say that. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it, but I just think that it's it's really really one-sided as far as social media is concerned. And that's probably a direct reflection of just the the mass age group, the mass marketing that goes on with social media, you know, because the biggest, you know, the largest uh, generation that is out there right now is the millennial generation. You know, we dominate we're dominating the workforce now or we're starting to and we're we're the majority of the population now, I believe. I could be wrong, I guess, but yeah, you know, whatever. Um, and so they're all targeting that demographic. They're all targeting that group of people. And so because of that, it's easy for them to say, put all these anti-Trump, anti-administration stuff out there, you know? And um, so maybe it's just overinflated by the media. Maybe the hate really isn't there as much, but it's just put on blast 24-7 because there's always something on social media or the news talking mad shit about it. Because there was definitely people that, that didn't like Obama. There's definitely people that hated Obama, you know. I was okay with Obama here and there, but, you know, personally, um, I mean, I'm trying to think. With the team that they have, if they can get their chemistry right, yeah, they. I think that they're a lock for the playoffs. They might be the, what is it, is it, hang on, six seed. They might be six seed in the playoffs and go out first round, or however many it is, six or eight, whatever. But they could go. I think there's a very real chance they could go to the playoffs. So... Who knows? It's going to be tough to tell. They're not going to do nothing, but still. I just I would like to see what what they're capable of. I'm still waiting for the Pistons to wake back up since I'm a fan and make something happen since they haven't really done much that I can be proud of since 2004, but it is what it is. You know, they're they're like I said, they're rebuilding. But the the main battle for basketball supremacy is nowhere else but in in the West. And more specifically, it's it's more it's more than likely going to be on the West Coast. It's between California and Texas. That's really it. The Bay Area, and San Antonio or Houston. That's really where where it is. I don't think there's anybody in the West right now that's got a chance to do anything. If you're not one of those three teams, at least you don't. At least I don't think so. But I could be wrong. We'll we'll see. There could be some huge shakeups, you know. There's always mid-season drama and trades and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So who knows? We'll, we got plenty of time to figure this out. But it's looking good. You know, it's looking good for us. So I'm not, uh, I'm not sure. I know, that, I know one thing is, though, I'll be glad for us to be able to get into to sports this season. The only thing that worries, that worries me is that it's going to be just so over-politicized this this season is 
so many people coming out and quote unquote taking stands against either the administration or just any kind of PC crap, which it's all PC right now. So saying you're taking a stand against it by saying that you don't like Donald Trump, I mean, that's ridiculous because the media is 100% geared against him. You know, somebody asked me the other day, um, no, it was, yeah, it was Bree. It was my wife, Bree, asked me like a week ago, do I think that more people hate Trump than hate Obama? And that's a tough question to answer, I think. Part of me wants to say yes, but at the same time, maybe not because maybe it's blown out of proportion. The only reason that I want to say yes is because he's so vilified by the media, 100%. Because every, everywhere that you could go, Facebook, the news, Twitter, I guess Instagram, I don't know maybe even Snapchat, what else is out there, you know? Every all these all these people, all these organizations, all this all these websites for social media, all the social media access, it's it's dominated by a a democratic or a democrat or a, a liberal or a a hard super hardcore lefty snowflake media presence. That's what that that's what's out there. That's the majority of it, and I, I, I think that it's totally fair to say that. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it, but I just think that it's, it's really, really one-sided as far as social media is concerned. And that's probably a direct reflection of just the, the mass age group, the mass marketing that goes on with social media, you know, because the biggest, you know, the largest uh, generation that is out there right now is the millennial generation. You know, we dominate, we're dominating the workforce now, or we're starting to. And we're, we're the majority of the population now, I believe. I could be wrong, I guess. But, you know, whatever. Um, and so they're all targeting that demographic. They're all targeting that group of people. And so because of that, it's easy for them to say, put all these anti-Trump, anti-administration stuff out there, you know. And um, so maybe it's just overinflated by the media maybe the hate really isn't there as much but it's just put on blast 24 7 because there's always something on social media or the news talking mad shit about it because there was definitely people that that didn't like obama there's definitely people that hated obama you know i was okay with obama here and there but you know personally um i mean i'm trying to think Consideration when they were deciding whether or not they were going to like him or whether they were going to support him or if they were just going to hate him because of that. And that was that was very that was very real. But the media only cited that the media, the media sort of minimized that because that was sort of a fringe outlook. I think I like to think that most people are fairly reasonable and don't feel that way about it because they realize how little power the president actually has. And that the president probably shouldn't have as much power as he does in the first place. Which, again, is pretty minor in the, uh, to begin with. I sort of side with a lot of other people that just having one, having one guy be the president to run the show and say that this is your job, I think it's a ridiculous anyway, anyway to have one guy doing it. Because when the, when the institution was set up in the first place, they never thought that it would be this big of a deal. They never thought that it would, it would be like this.
I, I don't I don't think so at least and I, I think there's I don't think that anybody could have expected America to turn out how it has as far as just the scale but the the media sort of I think when Obama was president only highlighted certain crazy bits of it while Obama was running for office but then after he was it was he was president the Democrats and the liberals are going oh we won a black Jesus I mean, not not to make fun of Obama or whatever, because he seems like he's a nice guy, I guess. I've never met him, but, you know, he talks like he's got some sense. And, he, again, he just seems like he would be a nice guy. So I'm not, not trying to talk shit about him. But, seriously, that was, like, the level that, like, Democrats held him up to be, was black Jesus. That was that was literally it. Which I, I thought, I think, is just hilarious when people... To put anybody up on that kind of a pedestal, I think, is ridiculous. So it's not really making fun of him. It's just making fun of the uh, the idea. But sort of spent eight years kissing his ass after that, you know, for all intents and purposes. I mean, that's what they did. Spent eight years kissing his ass after he made it. Talked about how terrible it was, how hard his road was getting in there because of all the racists that were not going to vote for him. But once he got there, like I said, it was a big asshole-looking competition at that point. And so, once you get past that point, though, and you look at it compared to Obama, compared to now, every single day, Trump faces a media firestorm. Now, again, that could just be the media. That doesn't have anything to do with how people really feel, because I personally believe that all mainstream media is fake news, that none of it has any merit whatsoever, and unless you're paying attention to what's going on with the floods in Texas right now, you're not getting any real political information about anything because they're both because they everybody has picked a side. Everybody has a sponsor, everybody has somebody that they've got to speak for now. There's no unbiased media. So there's a chance that the hate could be equal. But the media just points it out more so with Trump than they did with Obama. Or it's the other way around. The hate was more there for Obama just because, and they used it and see it as much because the media chose not to highlight it because the media was more, excuse me, in favor of Obama. Or at least I would like to say most media outlets were. I, I would I would at least say a majority. So, um, personally, uh, I don't know. I, I, I weigh both of those options and it's easy for me to say I don't know because that means I don't have to take an opinion. Based on what I see right now, day to day, I say that Trump gets more hate than Obama does. A lot of people, I guess, may not feel that way because a lot of people choose to only look at the negatives and only highlight the racism and stuff like that against Obama. And I understand that because I'm only choosing to highlight the hate that I'm seeing on Facebook and Twitter and social media, which is what I see every single day because every single day I'm on Facebook and Twitter and social media. So it's easy for me to say that. I don't watch the news every day, but I know that it's on there as well. Um, but again, that might not mean anything. So I never really know if I'm going off of what I see. I'm seeing mostly hate with Obama. I didn't see that every single day on TV and on the news and on whatever social media. So it's easy for me to, to point point in that direction. Doesn't make it true, 
it was just the only the only view I saw. Consideration when they were deciding whether or not they were going to like him, or whether they they were going to support him, or if they were just going to hate him because of that. And that was that was very that was very real. But the media only cited that. The media the media sort of minimized that because that was sort of a fringe outlook. I think. I like to think that most people are fairly reasonable and don't feel that way about it because they realize how little power the president actually has and that the president probably shouldn't have as much power as he does in the first place, which, again, is pretty minor in the, uh, to begin with. I sort of side with a lot of other people that just having one, having one guy be the president to run the show and say that this is your job, I think it's a ridiculous anyway, anyway to have one guy doing it. Because when the, when the institution was set up in the first place, they never thought that it would be this big of a deal. They never thought that it would, it would be like this. I, I, don't, I don't think so, at least. And I, I, think there's, I don't think that anybody could have expected America to turn out how it has, as far as just the scale. But the, the media sort of, I think, when Obama was president, only highlighted certain crazy bits of it while Obama was running for office. But then after he was, it was, he was president, the Democrats and the liberals are going, oh, we won, uh, black Jesus. I mean, ser not, not to make fun of Obama or whatever, because he seems like he's a nice guy, I guess. I've never met him, but, you know, he talks like he's got some sense. And, uh, he, again, he just seems like he would be a nice guy. So I'm not, not trying to talk shit about him, but seriously, that was like the level that like Democrats held him up to be was black Jesus. That was, that was literally it, which I, I thought, I think is just hilarious when people to put anybody up on that kind of a pedestal, I think is ridiculous. So it's not really making fun of him. It's just making fun of the, the idea, but sort of spent eight years kissing his ass after that, you know, for all intents and purposes. I mean, that's what they did. Spent eight years kissing his ass after he made it. Talked about how terrible it was, how hard his road was getting in there because of all the racists that were not going to vote for him. But once he got there, like I said, it was a big asshole-looking competition at that point. And so once you get past that point, though, and you look at it compared to Obama, compared to now, every single day Trump faces a media firestorm. Now, again... That could just be the media. That doesn't have anything to do with how people really feel because I personally believe that all mainstream media is fake news, that none of it has any merit whatsoever. And unless you're paying attention to what's going on with the floods in Texas right now, you're not getting any real political information about anything because they're both... because. They, everybody has picked a side. Everybody has a sponsor. Everybody has somebody that they've got to speak for now. There's no unbiased media. So there's a chance that the hate could be equal. But the media just points it out more so with Trump than they did with Obama. Or it's the other way around. The hate was more there for Obama just because... And they just didn't see it as much because the media chose not to highlight it because the media was more excuse me, in favor of Obama. Or at least I would like to say most media outlets were. I, I, would, I would at least say a majority. So, um, personally, uh, I don't know. I, I, I weigh both of those options and it's easy for me to say I don't know because that means I don't have to take an opinion. Based on what I see right now, day to day, 
I say that Trump gets more hate than Obama does. A lot of people, I guess, may not feel that way because a lot of people choose to only look at the negatives and only highlight the racism and stuff like that against Obama. And I understand that because I'm only choosing to highlight the hate that I'm seeing on Facebook and Twitter and social media, which is what I see every single day because every single day I'm on Facebook and Twitter and social media. So it's easy for me to say that. I don't watch the news every day, but I know that it's on there as well. Um, but again, that might not mean anything. So I never really know if I'm going off of what I see. I'm seeing mostly hate with Obama. I didn't see that every single day on TV and on the news and on whatever social media. So it's easy for me to, to point, point in that direction. Doesn't make it true. It was just the only, the only view I saw. But the point of the whole thing, regardless of that, is still the fact that there's a problem with today's media, with mass media, with mainstream media, I guess to be more specific. There's a problem with today's media, and there's 100% a problem with the political system. Now, I will go ahead and I will say this, and I'll throw this out there, and I really... I would, uh, I'll have to try to talk to somebody else, maybe try to set up some other kind of interview or, or whatever you want to call it with somebody else to talk about this, to bring this up. Because as negative as things may be, or as negative as, uh, as, as many negative things as maybe people will point out against Trump, the one good thing is that he 100% shook up the political system on, on both sides, Democrats and Republicans. And they, both sides... At one point or another, decide that they do not like him. For the Democrats, it's mostly every single turn they decide that they don't like him. For Republicans, it's give and take. Now, take this with a grain of salt, but I think that that can mean one of two things. Either, and I've said this before, either it means that Trump really is that bad of a person, he really is that bad of a presidential candidate, he really is that bad of a president, he's that much of a dope that he's really going to be the ruination of America, and that's why both sides hate him. Or, he has shaken up the political system and rocked it to, to its core to prove out the fact that you do not have to be a career politician to win the presidency, and it shakes up the hierarchy scale that says that you've got to be a senator for 30 years before you get a chance to run for office, and... It shows that, again, it, it shows again the age-old fact that everybody is raised to believe, when you're little kids at least, that anybody can be president. And that anybody can do it. And that the Republicans and Democrats don't like him because they don't want people to believe that anybody can do it. They want people to believe that you've got to be a career politician, you've got to start at the state level, and then you move up, and then ba-doom, 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 you're in the Senate, or maybe you're a lifelong military personality, and that's your way into being the president. They don't, they don't want to lose that grasp on, on what they've got. You know, Neil deGrasse Tyson brings up a good point and says that when you take a look at everybody who's in the Senate and the Supreme Court... And, and presidents for the past, you know, however many years, you look at their profession, you look at their degrees, you look at what they classify themselves at, it's, it's lawyers, everybody's law, 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 paralegals, law, 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 that's what they do, everybody's a lawyer, where are the scientists, where are the chemists, where are the engineers, Where's, where are the rest of our representation, 
You know, that's what, that's what the government is supposed to be. That's what the democracy, the republic, that's what it is supposed to be in America, is equal representation for all peoples in the United States. Well, right now, the only people that are getting represented are lawyers. And on top of that, the only people that are getting represented are lawyers with political agendas. Because that's, what it, that's all that it is right now, is lawyers with political agendas trying to get ahead, trying to get their next big step to being president. They're all trying to Frank Underwood their way into the presidency. Maybe they're not killing people, unless you're Hillary Clinton, in, in which case, you know, maybe you're not yourself throwing people in front of buses, but you're definitely hiring people to do it. But, you know, still, there's, there's ulterior motives. There's ulterior motives going on. You know, there's, there's not, you can't honestly say that pe they're doing it for the people anymore. I don't think so. And so you got to, when you look at it, you got to weigh those two options. He's either doing it because he's that much of an idiot and he's that much of a bad candidate, or he's rocking the, the current system right now. And people don't like losing their grip on that power. They don't like the idea that anybody could do it. Because right now, that's what he showed, that anybody could do it. Granted, Donald Trump's a billionaire, TV personality. People knew who he was, but he had no political background at all other than business politics. And that's totally different. But he proved that he could go out and do it and win it. And that's a big deal. And maybe they don't like that too, so I don't know. I would like to believe it's the, it's, it's, what is it, the latter is the second option? former or the latter the latter is the second option um so i wouldn't want to believe it's because he's rocking the system right now and they're afraid and and that's it and that doesn't mean that i believe in him or anything because i don't really believe in anything about the presidency i haven't for a while you know that's i mean that's because I, I think it's a joke to begin with, because I don't think that Trump or Obama or Bush or Clinton or Bush <laughs> or, you know, I don't think that anybody, I don't think the president's been pulling the strings for a long time. I'm not necessarily saying conspiracy theories, it's the Illuminati or whatever. I just don't think that it's the president. I think it's people behind the scenes that are doing it, whether it's the Senate majority that's doing it or the House majority that's doing it, you know, whatever, whatever it is. I don't think that the president has anything to do, or any, any real say in, in legislation. I don't believe it, at least. But again, you know, I could be wrong. Could be a total, could be a total sham what I believe in. But all we can do is sit back and watch right now and see what happens. There's a lot of other more important things to worry about in the world. And there's a lot more important things going on in your day-to-day -day life that you should be worried about, you know? You should be focused on going to work. If you've got a family, taking care of them. If you don't have a family, taking care of yourself, taking care of your parents or your friends or being a good person and stuff. That's what you should be focused on. There's very few instances where something could happen in the political system that really affects you, you know, and, and has dire consequences. You know, war is definitely one of them. Maybe if they end up erasing this healthcare and have nothing to replace it with, that could definitely shake things up, you know, on a personal level for people. But I don't see that happening. At the moment, I don't see either one of them happening, either, either option happening, but it's, you know, you never know. Again, because shit happens. But I just think that there's, there's other things on a, on a macro and a micro level 
for a person that you can worry about. And American politics is somewhere in the middle right now. Because living in the United States, as I've always said, puts you in a bubble from the rest of the world, puts you in a protected bubble. You've automatically got it better than most of the world just because you live in the U.S., a majority of the planet. There's 350 million in the, in the people in the United States, so that means there's about 7 billion people who have it worse than you. Because what, there's like 7.5, 7, 7, yeah, like 7.5 billion? It means there's about 7.2 billion people that have it worse than you just because you live in the United States. And that's a fact. I don't think you can argue that. So, at least you do. You, if you do, you're going to have to come at me with some, some hardcore evidence and numbers to, to show that because I, I certainly don't believe in it. But there's other things that you can worry about to focus on right now. If you want a real problem, if you want something to focus on, take some time, spend, a, spend an hour or two and look up the, the super volcano in Yellowstone. If you want something to sweat about, look into that because that shit, that situation's going to come to a head sooner than later. I mean, we're about 200 years overdue for a massive explosion that puts the world in a nuclear winter. So, take take a look into that if you want something to really lose sleep over, uh, you know, at night. But really, you need to focus on global events, how you can make the world a better place, and you really need to focus on helping yourself. Helping your family, helping your neighbor, your friends, whatever. Just being a good person, trying to be a good, a good, a good, a, yeah, a good person overall. That's what you should be focused on. Not worried about what Trump says and what people are saying about Trump and what Trump said. That's totally irrelevant. So you shouldn't waste your time on it because it's not important to your everyday life. But again, you know, what's the tagline? On my channel, on my, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, some fact, mostly opinion, all nonsense. So take everything I say for a grain of salt, guys. <laughs> doesn't really mean that, doesn't really mean anything what I'm saying. I'm, I guess I suppose that if I'm being honest, I'm probably just as much in the ether as the next person. But I mean, I'm just, I'm just one guy out here just trying to make a difference in, in, in my area day to day. And that's all you can do. So, but as always, thanks for listening, guys. I really appreciate it. And again, as always, um, you know, hit me up, the real DA Perry on Twitter. Any tips, tricks, suggestions, feedback, constructive criticism, whatever you got for me, let me know. I appreciate it. You guys have a great day.